Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Control-Alt-Azure. This episode is sponsored by Solveto. Stay ahead of the game and advance your career with continuous learning opportunities for Azure cloud professionals. Solveto EduHouse, learning as a lifestyle. Start your journey now on eduhouse.fi slash cloudpro. I'm Tobias, I'm back again with UC. What's up? Hey Tobias, what's up is that we took a boat cruise from Finland to Sweden with the family. So we got back from Sweden as well. And for those of you who haven't experienced this uh, experience, the usual approach is that you depart from Helsinki, the capital of Finland, on a Friday evening, and then you're back home by Sunday. So you you travel overnight to Stockholm, capital of Sweden. Then you stroll around Sweden. Typically, it's always raining when you go there. And then you come back to the boat and you get back to Helsinki the next night. So what we did instead, we drove to a nearby city and the trip on the boat is shorter. It's just 22 hours. So it's overnight to Sweden. You don't exit the boat and then you're back on, 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 the, on the same day's evening. It was quite awesome, though. It's been at least 10 years since I last went. The kids loved it. There's all-you-can-eat buffet, new sceneries, live music. The atmosphere on the boat is, is different. But at the same time, I realize I am becoming old. So many people. It will take me another 10 years to do it again. <laughs> I have never been on a cruise ship in my life. Um, even though we have them in Stockholm, Sweden, obviously, like you mentioned, they go both ways, right? So they get from Sweden to Finland as well. I never done that and uh, might do it sometime, but uh, perhaps not that high in my bucket list yet. But speaking of water, uh, it's the season of swimming still in Sweden. Summer is still here. The water is still warm, at least warm enough to enjoy a good swim. And I found my snorkel, my cyclops and my snorkel fins. So I took a snorkeling swim by the coastline yesterday during lunch. Uh, you know, there and back and had lunch uh, within the hour, which is awesome. So new workout type unlocked, um, a bit of snorkeling, chasing some crabs. Um, yeah, just going about seeing what's what's on the uh, bottom of the ocean around here. Oh, that sounds super awesome. I'm I'm happy for you that the waters are warm enough because by now and this is late august 2023 by now in helsinki the the seawater temperature it's it's maybe plus 14 celsius which is close to zero kelvin because it's so cold <laughs> uh already a couple of community highlights so so things we've been reading around um there's an interesting blog from a guy called Kalle Mariokorpi, so he's Finnish, if you're wondering about the name. He has an interesting blog on how to stream events from Home Assistant, the home automation system, and the devices you've connected to the system to Azure for further exploration and analysis. And you can find the links on the show notes for these community uh, blogs. Toby, what did you have on your community highlights? So I found uh, an interesting thing, um, you know, in light of all the AI stuff happening, um, a blog post by Ken Ross about using ChatGPT to learn how to use JMeter. So JMeter is something that you can use for, uh, for example, load testing and automated testing and things like that. Uh, so just kind of continuing on the wave of AI, Ken elaborates uh, how he used ChatGPT to help use JMeter 
and then have ChatGPT generate the right types of files in code snippets, uh, which is just another example of how like generative AI helps us become more productive if we use that the right way. So uh, the link to that as well is in the show notes. Good stuff. So today's episode is what is API driven in about provisioning in a Microsoft Entra ID. I almost said Microsoft Azure ID, but it's Microsoft Entra ID now. But before we dive into this actual topic, this is episode 200. Any thoughts, Tobias? I have a lot of thoughts on this. Uh, 200 is a good number, uh, a good even number. I did have the, uh, would you say, I had the hope that we would reach 200. When we started this, I had a hope that we would at least reach 50 episodes and then 100 episodes. Now we're at 200 episodes. We've been going for almost four years. So in about a month and a half or two months, we are uh, four years going strong. So now the next goal is, of course, five years, right? So another year, another 52 episodes or whatever. Um, and then, yeah, let's, we have to define some new goals. But other than the actual timeline, um, which, which has been a great journey so far, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, one reflection that I had is uh, we got some feedback recently that when we had a guest coming on to talk about some topic, uh, we got some feedback saying, hey, bring more guests with, uh, you know, whatever flavors uh, of the universe that they're working with. Because everyone works on different things, everyone has different angles for different things. So, I think that's a takeaway for me: is we've done 200 episodes, but in the next 200 episodes, perhaps a little bit more flavor from uh, different guests coming in uh, might be a good addition to the show as well. Agreed, agreed. I'm I'm blown away that we got to 200. It it hasn't been a struggle, but it's it it has required planning it has required quite a bit of of work on the sidelines besides the usual daily work that we both do and and i'm also inclined to think that i think i've forgotten more about azure by now after after almost four years of doing this i've forgotten more on azure than some people will ever learn about azure because there's been <laughs> so many notes we we typically have like a page and a half of notes per episode. It's not literal notes, but it's more like data points and topics and, and angles to think about. And, and when we've written about 200 of these, I'm, I, what I also want to do, I want to export all of these to PDF, feed them to my ChatGPT instance, and then we will finally have the Control-Alt Azure AI that knows everything that we've ever debated on this show. <laughs> Alrighty, good stuff. So episode 200, happy to have so many of you listening to our thoughts every week and the guests definitely more in the future. But today's episode, uh, as I said, API driven inbound provisioning in Microsoft Entra ID. And, and I'm semi deep on this topic. So, so happy to take the lead here, but it doesn't mean I know everything about this, but I know about the problem. I know about the alternative solutions that companies are building for this, and I know what sort of problem this capability will fix. But before we get to those, uh, Toby, what 
do you know about API-driven inbound provisioning in Microsoft and Tridy? <laughs> so uh, I don't know that much in detail. I know I know some of the use cases. I know some of the uh, the ideas around it to kind of support your your lifecycle, your identity lifecycle, or uh, whatever you want to call them. Um, you know, joiner, mover, lever. Uh, I think we talked about that in one episode many moons ago, uh, where we touched on join remover lever with something in Azure. Um, so it's you know it's about automating some of that. But I I haven't worked a lot with API driven inbound provisioning concepts as um, as much uh, these days. So I'm happy to learn a little bit more today as we go through it. But it's essentially automating this, right? So instead of manually creating identities, you can automate it, you can export from existing systems, move them over to uh, Azure or to Entra ID. And uh, yeah, then hook up workflows. Maybe you maybe you want a workflow, like a, a typical joiner, mover, lever workflow lifecycle might entail that you also seven days after the hire date, you send an email or seven days before the hire date, you send an email saying, all right, welcome, here's everything you need to know. Um, so whenever someone creates a, a user account, this should happen. So there are a bunch of things connected to like the workflows and, and and these things, but I haven't used this specific thing. So I'm I'm happy to explore what that means. So I, I I feel the name is a bit misleading here with the capability. So this is not invented by me, it's invented by Microsoft. So API driven basically means we are going to have an API on Microsoft Entra ID for you to integrate with to create user accounts, identities, that's that's it. That's basically the, the, the whole capability. But it's slightly different than what you would perhaps use back in the day, build an integration with Microsoft Graph and then provision accounts through there. So let's explore this a bit first through the problem space. So what typically enterprises have a challenge with is provisioning new identities for both Entra ID, Azure ID, and on-premises ID, or just for Entra ID. And the problem is not that they don't know how to create them. The problem is that typically the identities, the master identities, live outside a Microsoft ecosystem. So there might be HR systems, ERP systems, different third party, often legacy automations, external systems. So when an enterprise hires somebody, they then know that, okay, we need to establish this identity for you within the systems because you need access to key cards and electric locks and offices and the lunch cafe, everything else. And then you also need M365 and and Entra ID and on-premises and file shares and so on. So typically enterprises have not built these sort of automations on top of Entra ID, again, Azure ID, but they've built those on whatever systems existed at the time. So it could be Salesforce or SAP or some sort of HR system. In the Nordics, we have a couple of well, couple of well-known HR systems. Some companies often build all integrations there and then within the HR system, when you create a new account or new identity, that will then provision those accesses and privileges and roles and accounts in different systems, because not everything is around single sign-on. Does this make sense? Would you would you buy this approach or something else? 
Yeah, I think I think it makes sense when you think about like the problem space and and why this is a problem, especially what you mentioned there. That you know, my my first thought is, well, we have identities in AAD or intra idea, but to your point there, like a lot of enterprises, they are not built around the Microsoft ecosystem, right? They're they are using the Microsoft ecosystem for a lot of things, but that's not the starting point of the business. And I recall working with many customers in the industry sector, like the automotive sector, and they used Azure, they used Microsoft 365, SharePoint Online, different things. Um, but like their identities as well were not managed by Azure. You don't go into the Azure portal to set up a user. Like they had a provisioning system where they created user accounts, and then that was somehow, I think, scripted to sync. I don't know, using AAD proxy or something else. I have no idea how they actually set that up. Um, so I think to that point, identities can live in many locations, not just within the Microsoft ecosystem. And and that's probably a good selling point to start looking at this. Um, just to figure out like how do you how do you get those identities moved over? How do you get those into the ecosystem that we now have if we moving forward are gonna operate, you know, under the umbrella of uh, of Azure or Microsoft Enter ID, for example. So I think that was a, a good uh, paint, painting, a good picture of how that works. All righty, great. So now we know the problem space and and the, the solutions that I'm seeing over the years with customers are a couple of typical approaches because the problem is we need to grant users access in Microsoft 365, perhaps Azure Dynamics, Power Platform, uh, on-premises external systems. So. Often there's a custom integration built to SAP or some sort of esoteric, exotic HR system. So that's typically perhaps a PowerShell script. I once saw a VBA script somehow <laughs> executing from the command line. I still don't know how that's possible to kick off when a new file lands somewhere and the file typically is a CSV file because CSV is the best format for everything. And and that CSV is perhaps extracted every 12 hours from said SAP or HR system. And then it does something on Entra ID. There might be a fancy integration. Back in the day when on-premises was the best thing ever, we would may maybe have something like Forefront Identity Manager, which I think it's now called Microsoft Identity Manager. That would take care of picking up those CSV files, provisioning those identities in AD and Entra ID. Or then if, if, if the company has a more advanced approach, they might have an expensive IAM, Identity and Administration. No, identity and account management system or an IGA identity and govern governance uh, administration system that manages everything. But those typically take years to implement and they are sort of cast in stone that once they run, nobody will touch them. And finally, the sort of the, the low friction approach is to have a PowerShell script that runs something like a PowerShell commandlet like new AD user every two hours, again on a CSV file. And I always chuckle a bit when I when I see these different approaches because they typically fall into these these three or four different categories. And and Toby, I know your head is already in the clouds for several years now, but I still think 
that deep inside you sort of miss the on-premises CSV new AD user sort of problem space. <laughs> um, so no, I don't do that. I, <laughs> I have I have fond memories of my times, um, you know, from where everything was on-prem. But uh, you know, you set up some some Windows schedule tasks to run some scripts every you know bi hourly or you know once a night or whatever it was to do batch import, batch export, all these things. Uh, so I've, I've run my my fair share of batch scripting or you know later PowerShell scripting and all these things. But I'm I'm really happy that things exist now in the cloud. So so this is awesome, and uh, I'm happy to hear again that CSV import. Uh, is uh, is available or really you know that the way i read this is that you can have your data can exist in any type of format as long as you can just pass it into the uh, to the api um so uh, yeah that's that's pretty cool and like you mentioned the solutions that different companies have built you know they that list is probably infinite people work around the identity problem in so many different ways and sometimes they're very innovative ways other times it's like why did you even build this? I've seen, and this is a true story from a customer a long time ago, because you mentioned VBA and that got me thinking, hold on, I've seen some <laughs> VBA things in my life. They were provisioning user accounts from Excel uh, to their uh, domain controllers, which is a, a really, really strange implementation that I saw in a production line, uh, industrial company, not that big, uh, you know, based out of Sweden at the time. That was probably one of the scariest things looking back now. Like this was on a computer in the production line, like on the floor where it, it was never locked. Anyone could walk past it. And there was a an Excel file where you could you tap in some some new details, like, okay, here's a new customer. Here is the password they should have. Here is the username they should have. And you you typed everything in and then you hit the button in Excel which executed a VBA script, sending a command to one of the servers, which then created some with that password that you just put in plain text in Excel. Um, mind you, this is a long time ago. Um, so I've, I've also seen some crazy solutions and that's not the only one, but let's keep the scope narrow. Um, so I'm happy that this exists. So, uh, you know, just to build on your kind of story there that, you know, Companies have built solutions for years. You integrate with SAP or you have your HR system, you have your CSV files imported, exported, uh, you have your IAM systems, you know, whatever it is. Uh, there's all kinds of crazy solutions, but now the ability to kind of uh, do things using an API that's natively built into Azure, I hope can help solve some of the issues that customers were facing in the past. So. Like so, what is this? So we talked about the problem space a little bit, and you know, customers building their own solutions around this space. But what is API-driven inbound provisioning really? Like technically speaking, what what does it offer? Um, if you start using that, great question. So now we get to the actual feature. Uh, API-driven inbound provisioning is the ability to integrate any system of record to enter ID provisioning engine. So system of record might be <clears throat> HR, SAP, uh, some ERP system, some sort of external system that manages your identities, at least on the payroll level, typically. And then you need to provision those to enter ID. So you can now integrate through 
a Microsoft hosted API, you can integrate the provisioning of identities and entry ID without custom development. That's what this capability is about. And you can use any automation tool. So this is not tied to Azure. You don't have to use logic apps or functions or what have you. You can build whatever externally, and then you're going to have a highly secured API that only allows you to introduce new identities that have to be created in a given entra ID. So in a way, it's it's a slight extension to entra ID allowing you to provision new accounts without going to Microsoft Graph and learning all of that. So, so how does it work on the high level? You configure something called the Entra ID Inbound Provisioning API. You grant it permissions, and then you integrate. And the integration can be anything. Curl, Postman, Graph Explorer, Logic Apps, PowerShell, whatever allows you to call a REST API with an access token, and then you're dumping a JSON file with a predefined structure of those identities you want to provision. Let's talk about setting it, setting this up in a minute, but how does this sound for you so far? So I, I think that's that's really good. And and like my takeaway there was you had me, you know, you sold this to me when you said that this is just an API um, to kind of foster your automation. It doesn't require you know, a specific Microsoft technology stack. It doesn't require something specific on your end. It's agnostic to whatever system you already have, as long as you can you know, send commands to this API. Um, and I took a look at the API and I was like, okay, so if, uh, because you mentioned this is a secure endpoint and you can send requests to it from any system, that of course gets me thinking. So how is that a secure endpoint and how do, do we actually do those requests? Uh, so I quickly just looked up that you can grant access to the inbound provisioning API um, and uh, you can register an application. You have your inbound provisioning API client might be the name of your uh, AAD app uh, or your enterprise app. Then you set up permissions and uh, I just wanted to figure out, so what kind of permissions does this thing need uh, you know, to do this kind of work on my tenant directory? Because even if I want to automate this, I still want to bring down the scope of permissions. I don't want this to have full control in my directory, right? Um, so it looks like you only need uh, auditlog.read.all and synchronization data uh, user.upload. Uh, so the audit log read all is, of course, a pretty big permission, right? You can read all the audit logs in Azure, which is uh, quite a bit. Um, and then synchronization data user.upload. It means it doesn't, ha doesn't have any other write permissions or delete permissions or permissions to do anything, unless of course there's a way why you need to grant it that. And then you can configure a managed identity to this as well. So you don't have access keys floating around with your requests. Uh, so there are ways to uh, properly secure this uh, in a good way. And those are the kind of sco the scope of the permission. Um, and it's uh, you know the way I the way I take a look at this this on the behind the scenes I see that it's using Microsoft Graph uh, the Graph API um, with the slash bulk upload API uh, so it's pretty cool like you you get this endpoint you use it this way and it's using Microsoft Graph on the back end which is why we use the Microsoft Graph permissions I just mentioned 
Um, so yeah, I, I just wanted to touch base on that a little bit because I know whenever someone says, hey, you secure it or it's going to require whatever permissions on your tenant or your directory, people are going to say, all right, what are those permissions? Because I'm not going to allow anything. Uh, and how do you secure it? So there are good ways to do that. And because it relies uh, on Microsoft Graph, you probably have all the you know baking capabilities of uh, securing that as well. Uh, what I haven't taken a look at, uh, I'm not I'm not sure if you have, is if you can make if you can run this over a, a private link, if you can run it over a, a private network or a private VNet, and not expose any endpoint at all, uh, public facing to external networks, or if you can if you can manipulate it on that level. Or if it's only like, here's the API, use it, don't use it, you know, whatever you want. Or if it's like, okay, I'm going to provision this and I'm going to block all access from it. I'm not sure how that works. So my understanding is that you cannot um, contain the traffic for this API because it's it's a sort of a shared API for all Entra ID users. So yeah. either for for authentication and authorization, you go for service principle, or if you're already doing your automation or your logic from Azure, then you would opt for managed identity, obviously. So let's say you have a logic app that picks up whatever data it needs from SAP. So you already have this sort of integration in place. Then you could have logic app use a managed identity to authenticate with this inbound provisioning API and it would only need those minimal permissions and it would upload the JSON file. And I think for the audit log permissions, why that is required is that once you have this set up and you set this up by creating an enterprise app and, and, and selecting the inbound, inbound provisioning, uh, later on, if you need to see how it's performing or if you're running into any errors when you provision those identities, then you need to look at the audit entries and the app itself will expose a monitoring interface for you. And I think for that, it, it's going to require the audit log read access for that. So when you set this up as a enterprise app and then you configure the service principal permissions or managed identity, uh, that's all you need. You don't need anything else. You can always stop the capability. So you can stop the API from running or you can keep it running. And the capability in there is that it can provision Entra ID, so cloud-only accounts or hybrid accounts, meaning it can also provision stuff for your on-premises AD. But obviously that requires a bit more permissions if you want to reach back to your domain controllers. And that's essentially it. I love the simplicity of this. And as you said, it's built on top of Microsoft Graph but there's less things for you to worry about when you want to integrate this. Yeah, I, I really like this. And uh, and again, I'm taking a step back away from the service itself and like looking at the benefits. This is something that really benefits your kind of life cycle workflows. Um, you know, if you have Azure Active Directory, Azure ID or Microsoft Entra ID, uh, you, you can uh, manage users by automating some of the you know three basic lifecycle processes and I, I mentioned these already and we talked about them in some episodes uh joiner mover lever or joiner is when an individual enters the scope uh, of needing access in your organization an example is of course a new employee uh, joining your company or the organization 
you have movers uh, when someone moves between boundaries within an organization. So might be uh, someone who requires more access or authorization to resources if they get moved to a, a different type of role. Um, you know, for example, someone who was in marketing and is now a member of the sales organization might require different permissions. That's a mover. And then you have the levers, which is when the individual kind of leaves the scope of needing any type of access. Um, that might require the removal of access. So examples is, of course, if someone is retiring or an employee is being terminated or someone resigns, uh, then you can do specific tasks um, as part of your lifecycle workflow. And those are like sending emails um, within the scope of, for example, new employees. When uh, should that happen? Well, like I mentioned before, as an example, seven days before the employee hire date attribute, um, you know, stuff like that which just builds on to the identity kind of workflow that we have. And I see this fitting in with that uh, in, in a pretty good way where the uh, you just get a different exposure to getting this data in. Um, you know, it, if you already have these things working, most likely enterprises will already have their joiner, mover, lever stuff set up, right? When this happens, uh, or, or when this event take place, this should happen. Here's the automation task for new users and whatever. But the API-driven kind of inbound provisioning now is a new type of glue to make it happen, to get those users or identities from one system to the other or set them up. Um, so, yeah, interesting to see uh, that this is now in uh, in. Uh, a public preview because i think it's not ga yet right it's still a public preview yeah it's public preview i couldn't find any mention of cost so for me that means it's free and i get to use this but let's see when it once it eventually launches the ga but then again i think it's such a core capability of ID, creating accounts programmatically obviously but it falls into microsoft graph and it's a basic use so i i'm not anticipating an added cost for using this. Uh, go and take this for a spin. So you're going to need this if your system of record is outside Entra ID. But then what you're also going to need is lifecycle workflows, because once the account lands into Entra ID, then you're going to need to do group memberships, activation dates, welcome emails, uh, permission sets. And for that, you get those capabilities from lifecycle workflows, but those require the Entra ID premium P2 licenses. So that gets a little bit trickier for you as well. But this capability for now, at least it is going to be free of charge. Alrighty, I think that's that's all the thoughts we had for this episode 200. Uh, last bit, the unexpected question. Uh, Toby, I recall I did ask you last week, so it's your turn to ask me the unexpected question. Okay, then I have a question here. What are some of the things that are okay to occasionally do, but definitely not okay to do every day? Good question. Uh, what I did last week, I set up my own private chat GPT instance. I'm hosting that on Azure. It uses Azure OpenAI. So when I get tough questions or problems, I'm simply using that. So so I put this in just now to chat GPT and it gives you some super boring answers like do not eat fast food every day. 
well, why not? Of course you can do it. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, then, I, then I, I tweaked the temperature and said, yeah, go wild, give me something new. So, so it's suggesting that it's occasionally okay to type only in emojis in a group chat. <laughs> but not every day. <laughs> and I th- I think I'm part of those group chats that people only use emojis. Are, are you and part of the so-called problem as well? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be. It could be. So I'm inclined to say it is occasionally okay to tell dad jokes to your children at the dinner table, but not every day because they they start hating them. But for now, I do it like a couple of times a week and they like it. <laughs> All right. All righty. Thank you again for joining us. You are awesome. See you next week. All right. See you then. 